Jesus is, I want to clarify that, because Jesus is bigger than sin. He's bigger than your sin. He's bigger than my sin. He's bigger than my family's sin. He's bigger than all of the sin in the upper valley. Isn't that amazing? He's bigger than all of the sin in the state, New England. He's bigger than all of the sin in the world. What an amazing statement. We serve an amazing God. Amen? Are you still with me? He's bigger than the sin and the giants that taunt you every single day. He's bigger than the giants. He's bigger than those voices that come to you and say that it's really never going to happen for you. He's bigger. Anywhere sin exists, Jesus is bigger. And that's the message that I want to declare today. Amen? I want to begin by um, reminding you where we're at in the journey that Jesus predestined before the foundation of the world. Because according to the Word, Jesus knew we'd be standing in this day and He knows what's coming tomorrow and the day after that. It started at Tabernacles when a man named Wes stood before you on the third day, by the way. He was the third speaker. And he declared right in our midst something that I was yearning for, but I didn't really have a grasp on at the time, the way he said it. He said "There's power needs to return to God's house. Amen. He said you need to look for ways and opportunities where the power of God is the only way. He said the power of God, it's sad to go into a church and have there be needs with long lists, and there's no power there to meet the opposition. He said, God is wanting to fix that. He's wanting to reverse it. He's wanting to make that right. Why? Because there are so many voices out today that are declaring there isn't the God that you believe in. It's something else. And I want to declare to you today that the heart of God for you this morning is that He wants to make Himself known. And he wants to deal with his enemies that have taunted him for all of the days and weeks and months and years or decades. I don't know how old you are. But some of us have struggled with the same things for a long time. And those voices that come to say, is there really a God? Is there really a promise? Is there really one who cares? Is there one we sang about this morning? You are the God of miracles. You are the God of signs and wonders. But Monday morning, we go into the marketplace and the voices are there that says, hmm, if there, He is the God of miracles, where is He? And the taunting and the accusations. And God is well able to rise up and defend His words. And I want to propose to you that that's the day that we're in. Something happened to the disciples between Passover and Pentecost. We are between, in the middle of those days right now, we're in the Feast of Weeks. Something happened in those days that God said, I want you to tell your children and your grandchildren about. I want you to tell this story. I want you to remember it. I want it to be a part of you. Because I'm orchestrating your life. We're in the middle of the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks is 
as one aspect of it, as one viewpoint of it. I'm looking at it in a way of something happened to the people that were running after the Lord. Something happened to them. Something happened in those first few weeks that totally changed their character and who they were and their viewpoint and how they saw themselves and how they saw the world. They started in fear in an upper room, wondering when the guards were going to come through and arrest them. They ended up in the middle of the marketplace shouting and declaring the works of God. What happened between the two? What happened to them? A feast of weeks. They changed their perspective. In the beginning they were thinking about how giant the giants were. Fear, intimidation. The things that they were looking at in the world. And they transitioned their thoughts and their focus from that to this man that just came walking through this wall. This man that appeared on the shore and had breakfast all ready for them and said, who do you say I am? They transitioned their thoughts from their giants to the bigness of who God is and to the, to the one true giant that existed before the foundations of the world. And when they got their eyes off their circumstances and off their things that they were looking at, and they beginning to talk with again and have relationship with Jesus, and when they began to focus on the bigness of who He is and the eternity of who He is, the eternal pr- promises of who He is, things started to change in their hearts. Things started to be put in the focus of God. The story is told in so many places throughout the Word, but probably the one you might be the most familiar with, in the, at least in the Old Testament, is the story of, of the David and the giant, Goliath. Right? We know that there was an army on two hills. There was the Philistines on one side. There was the <clears throat> armies of Israel, the children of Israel on the other side. The Philistines were coming against them. They were on the two hillsides for days and days and days. And they were preparing for battle. And then this gigantic of a man comes down into the valley of Ella. And he declares and he shouts. And this man was huge. The Word tells us that he was between 9 and 10 feet tall. Calls him a champion. Champion of Gath. Right? Which means that he had been in lots of struggles and lots of wars and lots of fights. And he prevailed through them all. And he was undefeated. And he was taunting the God of Israel and the children of Israel saying, you might as well give up now. Let's do this little test. You pick a man amongst your multitudes and you have him come and fight me. And the one who wins, that's the side that wins. And the other side will serve them as slaves. So there was a king there, there was the armies there, there was the head of the leaders there, there was the children of Israel there, there were men and women, some were trained, some were not, right? And Goliath, this ten foot tall giant, who the word describes, and an a armor bearer went before him, armor bearer, maybe our size, with a shield, helping him, protecting him. 
And he comes out to the edge of the, of the valley and down into the valley and he starts declaring who he thinks God is, the God of Israel. He hasn't saved you. He hasn't done anything. He can't save you. We are undefeated. We're the same yesterday and today that we were a week ago. And he's taunting and taunting and he's taunting. And it said they lost heart. And they didn't know what to do. For 40 days this continued. Every single morning and night, the Word tells us that this adversary was telling and shouting across the desert, uh, shouting across the valley, your God can't save you. Send a man. And you can imagine after 40 days of fear and anxiety of what happened. And then as the story goes, we know that David, a young adult in his teens, was anointed king days or weeks before by Samuel. He is sent to the front lines by his father to bring breads and cheeses to the, his brothers. There was eight brothers that he had in his family. The three older brothers were on the front line wondering uh, when the battle was going to begin, but they were afraid. They were being tormented by this giant every day. David comes to the, he's a teenager, he's small, the word calls him ruddy, which means he's good looking, right? He didn't have the battle scars of, of, you know, the older men. And he comes up and he's listening this one morning as Goliath is coming out to the edge of the valley and he's taunting the children of Israel, the armies of Israel again. And he's saying, when are you going to give up? When are you when are you going to realize that that we are stronger and more numerous than you are? And David says, "Who is that person? Who is that?" And as the story goes, you can read it in 1 Samuel 17. I would encourage you to do it. It's a fabulous story because it shows who God is. God rises up to defend His Word and defend His people. David tried to go and say to the king, I'll fight him. No, wait a minute. Really? I know I'm a young kid, but I fought a lion and a bear, and I killed them. So it will be the same with this Philistine. And he has a discussion with Saul the king. Eventually Saul agrees and says, Okay, then you go out to fight him and we'll watch. And so Saul begins and says, where's your armor? I don't have any. Wait a minute. You're going up against a champion that's almost twice your size without armor? What do you have? Where's your sword? Where's your spear? Well, all I have is this sling. So, so Saul says to David, I'm going to give you my armor. I have the best that can be made in all of Israel. I'm a king. It's heavy. It's strong. It's, it, it will protect you. It's the best that money can buy. So David says, okay. He puts on the armor and he can't even hardly walk. And he said, this isn't going to work for me. And he takes off the armor and he goes down to the brook and he gets a few small stones in the brook and it puts them in his pouch. He goes up. He's ready to go and fight Goliath. Goliath is super angry at a young kid come, being chosen by the armies of Israel, 
Surely you can do better than that, folks. And he's angry. You come at me with sticks as though I were a dog. He wails out over the valley. I'm going to kill you and feed your bones to the birds of the air. And on and on and on. And he's angry. David starts to run towards the giant. Fast as he can go. And he says, I will remove your head this day and I will feed it to the birds of the air. So in this story, you know the end of how it works. David takes a rock and a sling and he whirls it around. He has mastered that because he's been a shepherd watching sheep and he's uh, learning how to fend off the lions and the the bears, and on and on. And David lets the stone go, and it hits the giant in the forehead and kills him, and he falls down forward on his face, and then David runs to the giant. He didn't have a sword, so he takes the giant's sword out of the sheath, and he cuts his head off. So you know the story. If you don't know the story, read it. It's in chapter 17. So we read this story and we understand that there are types and shadows. We understand that these stories are meant for the day that we're in. We want to apply them in in the ways that we're working our lives out in, in fear and trembling and seeking the Lord. And one of the first things we have to determine is, are we David? If we're David, then we have responsibility to, to gather up our courage and gather up our weapons of warfare, whatever that might be, gather up our faith, gather up our boldness, and go and fight the giants. If you decide you're a David. That could be true, but there are places in the Word where God says, This is the scripture you're fulfilling in the time that I'm walking you through. So you have to decide, are you a David? And if you are, how are you going to meet the giants? You have giants in your lives today. They're intimidation. They're fear. They're they're messages that the devil speaks to you every day to try and discourage you, to try and bring intimidation, to try and get you to give up to try and get you to realize that He's stronger than God is. That He is more powerful. That yesterday is the same as today, and today will be the same as tomorrow. And all of the days happening in your life have been the same, and there's really no change. Arrogant and prideful. And it tries to get you to give up. I want to introduce you or bring a different viewpoint into the story. I want to suggest to you that David was a type and shadow of Jesus. I want to suggest to you that Jesus is walking out an event in the days of old that He's still walking out today. He's a deliverer. He's a Savior. He's a mighty man of war. He is a man who has never been defeated since the beginnings of the foundations of the world. He is a man who has not given up. 
He is a man who always comes out on top. He is a man that speaks a word and it comes to pass. Are you with me? It's critical that you see yourself as either a David or who overcame, who had the boldness and the anointing from God. He was anointed by the prophet whose word God never let fall to the ground. So whether you see yourself as a David or not is not the condemning message. There are times and seasons when you can be a David. And God walks you through that. And God says, this is what I did in David's life, and this is what I'm doing in your life. I want you to understand and see the parallels. But there are times when God doesn't want you to be a David. He wants you to be a Jesus. So I'm not saying you can't identify with David. I'm saying that there are seasons and times in God's heart. And in this case... In this case, what God is doing in these weeks that we've been in is God is dealing with your enemies. God is the one who has determined by His own love. We just came through the story of this is love. The brochures are still out. The print isn't dry yet, so to speak. Because God is still speaking those messages. You haven't given up, but sometimes you might see no way forward. You see tomorrow is the same as today and the day after that. You're told to be like David, doing the things he did, but but think about Jesus. You're called to be like Jesus. David was a forerunner and a type and shadow of Jesus. I've come through life trying to work up courage, trying to be extra brave, trying to be extra faithful, trying to work it up in places where I'm like, when is there going to be change? When is there going to be breakthrough? And so I fast and I pray and I ask the Lord for more faith. I ask for more boldness. I ask Him to deal with my pain, my suffering, (coughs) the things that afflict my body. Sometimes those things are just putting on more armor of Saul. You can't trust in anything other than Jesus. You can't trust in books or messages or the faith of someone else or the viewpoint of someone else. When it comes down to it, the end of the day, The only thing that makes a difference is who you see Jesus to be in your life. Who is He? Who do you say that He is? Amen? Are you with me? Are you in? All right. I don't have any shiny action plans for you. I don't have any ten-step messages. To be honest with you, I've tried a lot of them on my own. I've said, well, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, I'm a son of the living God. And I've quoted scriptures. But I've quoted them out of the lines of the page on the text, not for who he is, 
not the rhema word that's ruling my heart. And there's a difference. You can know about the message. You can know about the word. You can know, you can memorize chapters. And if you do it in a way of rote, it won't do you any good. If you do it in the way of relationship under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the relationship with Jesus, then it has all of the power Jesus said it had. Think of it like this. There's a person sitting next to you. How well do you know them? If I were to give you a pad of paper with a few hundred pages to it and said, here, fill out everything you know about the person beside you, you could fill up pages and pages and pages of stuff. It's also possible that you really don't know them. It's also possible that you don't know what they're called to do before the foundations of the world and what is written in the books of heaven that God penned, that God authored about their life. You can know a guy named Donald Trump. He's in the news every single day. You can know what he's struggling with. You can know what, who's attacking him. You can know him, but you don't know the man. Because probably no one in this room has ever met him to talk to him in a personal and intimate way to know what he thinks about outside of the news media. You can know about Jesus. But unless you know Him, amen? Are you with me? God will not be mocked by a spirit challenging His authority. Day after day, week after week. And some of you have had those voices trying to convince you who you are that is not the voice of God. God is rising up in these days and He's dealing with that voice. Because Wes announced at Tabernacles, this year will be a year for you where power comes back into your life. Not because of the words that you read in some book, but because of the relationship and the authority of who Jesus is in your life. He promises in Exodus chapter 23, He says, Behold, in other words, pay attention. I'm speaking. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you into a place which I have prepared. We have a project right now called the Cornerstone Community Center. It's part of the promise that God has laid out for this valley. It's part of the promise that are going to equip the people of God in this valley to demonstrate who He is and really the, the passion that He has for people. There are other promises that says, I will be with you always. You're never going to hunger. His name is over disease. It's over hunger. It's over principalities and powers. His name is greater. Amen? Amen. 
the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice and don't provoke him. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Do you realize this is the voice of God speaking a rhema word in the earth today? Obey Him. Follow Him. Don't sin against Him. The Holy Spirit is leading you right now into a new place and a new land. Don't think that it's something else. Don't think that it's just its too hard. We can do it. Because He said we could. I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversary. Jesus and our Father will not be mocked. And those voices that are trying to convince you anything else, well, your back has been that way for eight years. God's not going to heal it. Well, your heart's been that way. God can't heal it. Well, and if you even dare and try, something horrible is going to happen. Right? No. That's not my God. That's not His voice. God said that my people will hear my voice. The things that plague you, those bills, whatever it is, the places of fear. Goliath represented fear. Goliath represented the spirit of fear that has come onto the earth to try and get you to give up and say it's too hard. Represented rejection. Rejection. Maybe you're insecure and rejection tries to keep you pressed down. Maybe you've got a low self-esteem, low sense of value and self-worth. Maybe you've tried so hard to be accepted by people since the longest you can remember and it just doesn't seem to work. Maybe you're even told at some point in your life you're worthless. Maybe at some point in time somebody came across your path and uttered those words and somehow they made it into your heart and they're still stinging and hurting today. Maybe you were the last one in your class to be picked for whatever game your class was playing because the two team captains stood up there and you really didn't have the athletic part of you and you were always last. Whatever it is, there's a little kid that is in traction. He has pins through a lot of his bones and he has sandbags trying to stretch his body apart. That was me. After I uh, got caught up in a corn chopper when I was nine years old. That was me. That was me just after I lost my leg and had several bones broken. And so the traction that you're looking at 
is pins through lots of parts of my bones trying to stretch me back out again so that I would heal properly and I could somehow get back into normal things in life. This is the only picture. After my mom snapped the picture, the nurse came in and said, that's illegal. Uh, You can't snap pictures because we're too afraid you're going to use it against us. So there aren't any pictures. But I was nine years old, and the testimony is God knows how to save. God knows how to orchestrate your life. And no matter how bad it sounds, no matter how many ropes there are, no matter how many sandbags there are, no matter how many bars there are, no matter how many doctors come in and try to convince you, do this or do that, and the pain is just raking throughout your body, it doesn't matter. Because God is, has a way to show Himself strong and to be a deliverer. And my testimony is, even though that looks pretty bad, and I was in that bed for weeks and weeks and weeks, my God delivered me. And my God's delivering you. And my God is with you. And He's not forsaking you. My God has a book written about you in heaven that is going to fulfill that accident and three others almost like it should have killed me. But I had a purpose. I have a destiny. I have a calling to fulfill that's made from God and authored and penned by His hand. Are you with me? Do you understand? I had to overcome rejection at nine years old. Did I deal with it once and for all? No. Last Saturday, I was at a very busy airport in the United States trying to get back home. I was on vacation. 500 people waiting to get through the line. And I'm about two hours ahead of time, so I have a chance, right? Got a chance. So I'm sitting there waiting, and I did like we all do. You always think about where's the line that's going the fastest or the shortest. So before you actually make a decision, you kind of you know scan the, okay, that's the one. So after about 40 minutes, this uh, little attendant, she wasn't very big. She's all dressed up in her suit. And she said, sir, come here. Um, there are these kiosks way up there that I want you to take your bag, and I want you to check in, and here, come here, follow me. Well, that's God. Thank you, God. Right? Get all these people. I get to go all the way up there. This attendant's taking me up. So I put in my numbers and I put in, you know, the stuff and this little kiosk thing. You guys have seen them. Prints out your boarding pass and it prints out a baggage claim and so on. So I'm doing that. And she goes, oh, yeah, your, your bag will be taken, sir. Just, you know, stand here and you'll get to the counter. Well, after she left... There was a woman there that said, uh, Sir, with that kind of a loud voice, Sir, you're cutting in line. I have a plane to catch. You need to go back there. What are you going to do? Are you going to defend yourself? See, in that moment, I felt rejected. I felt hurt. I was having a pretty good day up until that point. My body was hurting and my back was hurting, but I was getting home. And now all of these people know that I'm a cutter and a thief 
and I'm trying to circumvent the process or somehow get by it and cheat all these people out, what was I going to do? Oh, no, 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 the, the attendant brought me up here. I could defend myself. Instead, I turned around and I went to the back of the line. And I did the same thing. Which line am I going to get in now that's the shortest line? And it was way over on the edge. And I said, well, I'll go on the edge because it's, it's, I don't want to be by these people. They all know I'm a cutter and a liar and all that stuff. I'm going to go over where people don't know me, right? I was trying to work it out. I wanted to be a testimony for Jesus, but I didn't want to stand there and argue. And I didn't want to stand there and defend myself. And I didn't want to stand there and somehow convince this woman she's wrong, right? All right, I'm going to go find another line. Found another line, and that line somehow, after about five minutes of standing in it, went five times faster than all the other lines. I kind of wanted to make eyeballs with a lady that was 13 lines over and said, I'm on the station, you're still way back there. But, you know, I didn't. I wanted to, being honest with you, being real. And I got to the station before the lady did. And I got to check my bag. The point is, it doesn't matter what wrongs you have happened in life. God will make a way. God will turn the circumstances that you're in. He will turn the tables on the adversary and He will use all things for good. Do you believe that? Is that the Jesus who you see facing your giants? Because when you take your eyes off the giant, you take your eyes off the trial, off the embarrassment, off the shame, and you begin to look at Jesus, your heart has a different perspective. I serve a big God. I serve a God who's able to save me. I serve a God who's able to put this hurting, aching body back together in a way that glorifies His name so that I can fulfill the message that is written about me in the heavenly realm. You see, God is coming in these days to be your Savior. He's coming in these days to make a way for you. He's coming in these days to turn what has been painful around to the glory of God. Amen? Are you with me? Giants of rejection. Giants of fear. They show up as anxiety, as nervousness, as worry and stress and dread and tension. And it gets into your stomach and causes problems in your life. Fear chews away at our lives and erodes a sense of confidence and well-being. It robs us of sleep and rest and it, and it blinds us and steals our praise. Why does it steal our praise? Because you make a decision to look at the adversary instead of God. You make a decision to think about the trial you're in and the pain that you're suffering and the wrong that has just happened to you whether it's that or the woman at the airport or any other thing. You choose to look at the wrong that has been going on instead of the bigness of who God is. 
When you start looking at God, after a little while, you, you find yourself praising Him and worshiping Him and thanking Him for who He is. And that's called worship. That's called prayer. And now all of a sudden, because your sight is getting uh, bigger and uh, faith is entered, faith is the antidote for fear. You can't fight fear any other way. You've got to fight it with an antidote. And it starts by looking at who He is and worshiping Him, praising Him. I'm telling you, it was hard for me to praise God looking that way. Why did you do this to me? Is what I struggled with for years. What did a nine-year-old boy ever do to deserve this? I'm mad. I'm angry. If there is a God, why did you do this to me? And then pretty soon, you keep looking at Him. You keep seeing His goodness. And you don't accuse Him anymore. Instead, you start to worship and thank Him that my life wasn't taken from me. That He restores my soul. That He restores my life. That He gives me hope again. That He gives purpose again. And He starts to build up and be the deliverer that this Word declares Him to be. Amen? Are you with me? As I begin to close, His name is in you and He does not fail to deliver His people. For every heart that aches for Him, He hears your cry. He will answer with a voice that draws closer, increasing your faith because He doesn't want you to be tormented by rejection and hurt and pain. He wants to be known as the God of deliverance in a personal and intimate way. Faith is the antidote for unbelief and He is saying, take your eyes off the taunting giants and look at Me. Look at Me. See who I am. Watch and see. And I will show you what I will do to get you into the promised land in the days that we're in. Every giant must fall. Every single one. Including anger and addictions. Because it's not the strength of men in the battle with the armor that you wear. It's the spiritual armor that's talked about in Ephesians. It's the work of God. Psalms 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. He calls me a son and he says, he says, I'm the apple of his eye. So as I close, Isaiah 55. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and don't return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. God is speaking. Amen. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands, 
Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen? Amen. If this message has met you in some way, I put together a couple of um, brochures. This, I titled it, Jesus Fights for You. I want you to understand that Jesus is a warrior, unlike Goliath, because he's motivated out of love and passion. He's motivated out of what you, who you are. And these are just 23 scriptures that I put in place. Maybe if somebody could hand these out. Um, can you hand those out? Just some scriptures that if you don't know, if you're not sure if he's a man of war or not, his word declares that he is. And I've assembled some scriptures for you to dwell on in your heart to know and understand he is a man of war. Amen. And it's according to his word. And he is fulfilling his word in your life and in my life in these days. If you want a little bit more, I've got this book called Goliath Must Fall. God has ministered to me through this book. And it's, I, I don't put the focus on the book. I put the focus on the message. And I've got, I bought about 20 books. So if you want one, come and get one and read it. If you're not going to read it, don't take one. Because I only have 20. Right? Maybe if you're here with a family, maybe one per family. Or I don't know. Whatever you want. You don't owe me any money. I'm sowing in by the Spirit to the living God in the days that we're in, declaring that He is a mighty man of war that He is a deliverer all the days of my life, that He orchestrates and dictates my future, not the spirit of fear, not the spirit of oppression, not the spirit that has been trying to get this upper valley and this nation to focus on themselves. That's not it. My God is a deliverer. And my God orchestrates the days of my life every single moment. That's the message of the book. I hope you'll read it. I found encouragement in it. Um, I'm on my second read in less than two weeks because it testifies of who my God is. And I want that to be so much a part of who we are as a people. So if, when we go forth and cross the promised land into the new place of this Cornerstone community building, I want to possess signs and wonders and miracles through my hand that demonstrate who God is to a community of people who have been hurting and suffering just like I was. Because there's a message to be spoken. He loves you. And He cares about you. And you're experiencing that right now. So your testimony is all the stronger and all the more valid. It's got to come from the heart. Because if it just comes from head knowledge, it doesn't have the power doesn't have the authority, doesn't have the name of Jesus behind it. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.